and welcome to another session of Pip Talk Podcast. Today, accompanied with myself, is the main man, Jesse. He goes by the name of Jesse BTC, or some call him Jesse Jarvis. Jesse, how are you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me today. Yes, I'd like to say, Jesse, um, I'm very grateful to have you on the show today because I know your knowledge in regards to cryptocurrency um, definitely does expand wide and you know we're really looking forward to asking you a lot of questions today and finding out how we can get involved in this crypto wave absolutely man it's the right time for it you know I just had the halving with BTC and yeah it's going to be an exciting time I think the next few years are going to be very very bright for this industry and yeah it's been it's been a while we've been trying to set this up and I'm, I'm excited I'm glad we're finally on the on the call together good to hear um so jesse tell me just in regards to you know a bit about yourself just for the listeners who, who don't know who you are tell us a bit about yourself yeah. why, why do you have two names why do we have jesse btc and jesse jarvis hey so i kind of got like um not split personality not two personalities but i've got a persona uh, a social media sort of Sony that everyone knows me by. I've been on YouTube prior to being Jesse BTC as the Ico Hunter. Um, I've actually been actively involved in cryptocurrency since 2012, but over the past sort of three years, I've been working within cryptocurrency, but also blockchain, which is slightly uh, a wider remit than specifically just crypto coins. And we have a company called Bitchain Capital. So all of the professional crowd, all of the people that I work with in that sort of arena know me as Jesse Jarvis. And if you've probably stumbled across me on social media or found me on Instagram or YouTube, then yeah, you'll know me by Jesse BTC. Okay, okay, understood. Um, so today I'm just going to call you Jesse, not Jesse. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and tell us, okay, Jesse, so in regards to your background, I've heard a lot of, you know, crypto mentionings there. Um, what, how, you know, you've got a company called WealthX. Talk to us about that. What is WealthX? Yeah, sure. So WealthX was a project that actually started this year in around about February, March. Um, and we basically built this company, myself and my partner, Jay, because uh, I was getting a lot of requests and a lot of... Um, basically different questions in relation to how to start trading, how to get involved in what it was I was doing. A lot of people were seeing me working with some of the most influential names in crypto, you know, so they were just kind of like, I see what you're doing. I can see Bitcoin. I know what Ethereum is, but I just don't necessarily know how to get involved in this. I don't know how to trade. Um, I'm really interested in it. So I thought, okay, there's two ways I can really go about this. You know, we can join one of those sort of IM situations which I was really kind of against or we could basically start from scratch and build an educational resource and the reason it's called WealthX Network is because we wanted to try and diversify away from strictly trading and show people that it's all about network you know your network is your net worth and what we try and bring that is slightly different to, to some of the other projects and educational resources out there is access to our professional network through BitChain Capital which we can sort of talk about at a later date but it basically means that by sort of being within the WealthX network, you'll, you'll learn how to trade specifically cryptocurrencies, but also every financial market. So we work with indices, commodities, equities, crypto and FX. Um, and we also work with decentralized finance, which is kind of like a fringe movement within crypto. So we, we try and give the, the full remit essentially as, as 
far as trading goes. But then on top of that as well, where we get a lot of our information from stems from our network and the fact that we're connected to some of the largest financial institutions in the Middle East and also America. Um, one of the advisors for myself is one of the former governors of the Bank of New York. Um, and we've we've got a massive network of some people that are pretty influential and kind of know where the market's going and, and have some real, real experience in here. We're talking like 20, 30 year veterans. So you're kind of getting it directly from the horse's mouth and anything we sort of give as advice or news, things like that is coming directly from these people that, that know the markets the best. Okay, interesting. Um, I hope you guys took that in. A lot of credentials there. Um, but more importantly, it's, you know, this is why I say we're grateful to have you on the show because with the information you've got accessible, I'm sure you can let us know and everyone within the lit community when we need to be buying some more Bitcoins, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I'd, I'd say, to be honest, there's never a bad time to do it. Just make sure that you're not sort of YOLOing in to that one single trade and make sure your dollar cost averaging sort of purchasing the same amount every week or month or so. But yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say dollar cost averaging is probably the smartest way to go when it comes to investing in crypto assets. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so yeah, on the on the on the talks of, of crypto, Bitcoin, man, finally. You know, it's about Finally, yeah. time, you know, we've really now seen what Bitcoin is able to do. And, you know, I've been a, an investor in crypto since the early stages of 2014, I believe, 2013, 14. Okay, um, brilliant. So you caught it quite early. Yeah, I was um, living in, in Spain, um, in Madrid, to be precise. And in my second year of being there, which was 2014, um, I... I came across Bitcoin, you know, um, the managers started to pay us our wages in Bitcoin and it, it really gave me an insight. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it gave me an insight to seeing, you know, how how far um, and how fast Bitcoin cryptocurrency was developing, you know. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, so, you know, from those years back in 2017 when we had an high, a high till now, you know, why is crypto taking so long? Why is it not just flying to 50,000 like what you hear on the news? You know, I've seen reports saying crypto could, or Bitcoin more specifically, can go to $400,000 um, $400, a coin. You know, is there yeah. any truth in this? What's, what's, you know, what are we missing here? What's really happening with Bitcoin? Yeah, absolutely. So let me break that down a little bit. So I think to, to really assess what genuinely happened at first is... Um, we need to go a little bit further back. So I actually started my journey in cryptocurrency around about 2012-ish, around the end of. Um, and essentially, I was buying crypto for anywhere from $350 upwards. I bought my first Bitcoin for. I actually got involved in Ethereum as well, which is the, the second largest crypto by market cap in the world, uh, around about 90p. And I believe the price is sort of hovering at about $570, $580 at the moment. Um, and I was in this marketplace and I didn't necessarily understand what the underlying asset was. I just knew that this was something that guys in finance that I know who told me I really need to look at. So I was actually trading on arbitrage. So I was basically buying Bitcoin from exchanges in Asia or where it was quite difficult to get your KYC done. Back in the day, it was pretty easy. Now it's kind of challenging to get those accounts opened. But uh, I was essentially like buying Bitcoin off of a South Korean exchange, a Chinese exchange, and then going on to localbitcoins.com and selling that to people in either America or England at uh, a markup. So I was making anywhere from sort of 50 to 100 pounds per transaction and I was doing maybe five or ten transactions a day and it, it was the glory days you know but I didn't necessarily understand what the underlying asset was or what it really meant for the world now 
if we fast forward sort of like six, seven months, I actually sold all of my holdings. I sold all of the Bitcoin that I had. Um, I had a venture that I needed liquidity for. So I basically just liquidated my portfolio and used that capital. Um, and then I looked back at the markets uh, around about 2017 and saw what happened. And I was just like, what have I just missed? You know, uh, let's just say it was in the high millions that I could have benefited. And I definitely sort of missed that humongous rally. And it sort of brought me to a point where I was like, right, what what just happened? It, was this a fluke? Was this just um, like some type of Ponzi scheme? Or is this something that I really, really need to understand and take a look at? So I sort of did some research and started to really hone in on what actually is blockchain what is cryptocurrency and why is it so important and it just blew my mind and ever since i've just been completely obsessed with this entire financial market and the thing is it's, it's a little bit more than a financial market you know it's actually like i like to liken it to the the next technological revolution it's probably one of the most important technologies in the past 70 to 80 years like it's, it's as important as the internet and it will be so revolutionary you know like if you look at the internet as the freedom of information you know before the internet if you wanted to know certain information you had to go to an ivy league school you had to go into the libraries of harvard university yale or oxford cambridge you know it wasn't available to everyone and then the internet came and google came and you could search for any piece of information that has ever existed in human history which now we sort of just Blase, quite blasé about but in reality when you think about it that is a massive massive shift and transition in the way that the world works and what bitcoin and what blockchain is is it's the freedom of capital it's the freedom of economies it gives us the same power that the internet did for information that um basically that we have for money you know so right now all of our economic systems, all of our fiscal policies, everything to do with finance is governed by centralized systems of control, whether that be the Federal Reserve, central banks, our governments, etc. We have no say in whether they want to print a trillion dollars into existence, like I think the Federal Reserve printed six trillion dollars this year, right? We have no control over that system or that process. Um, and it's our children or our great-grandchildren that are going to suffer from these decisions that they're making. They're very short-term sort of solutions. But what blockchain does, and specifically cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum do, is they, they give the power of uh, finance and of value, of the transaction of value back to the individual. Okay, So that's why that rally happened. And it was kind of a a precursor rally to show what the potential value of this asset was. Um, but there, was, there wasn't actually that much going on in the crypto market in 2017. You know, there was a few adopters, but there wasn't these big situations happening like this year where PayPal has now allowed people to accept payments in Bitcoin or you're starting to see stores allow you to purchase things with Bitcoin, you know. So that initial rally was basically based on the premise of what could come from this, you know. So... It's kind of like the very, very early days of the tech bubble, and we're so, so early in this space. And to sort of touch on that point that you said that the news is sort of talking about these hyperbolic prices that we could get to of $500,000, $50,000. JP Morgan recently came out and said we could reach. The reason for that is if you actually look at our financial infrastructure and our financial system, the Forex market alone is $6.4 trillion a day. Okay, so if, if, for instance, 10% of that Forex market moved into cryptocurrency, the entire market cap of crypto would go up by $64 billion. And that would be insane. The price of Bitcoin would rally at least another five, six, seven thousand 
bare minimum by that um, transition happening, right? And what we can see is that financial institutions, governments, banks, central banks now are starting to look at blockchain and they're looking at their current financial infrastructure and systems and going, do you know what? Maybe having a completely radical currency that we don't control isn't good for uh, our economy, but the underlying technology is solid, you know. So, yes, Bitcoin is an, a financial asset. Yes, it is a store of value. But now what they're starting to do is looking into creating what's called a central bank digital currency. And this is why we're starting to see this secondary rise in this rally, because the financial institutions of the world are now starting to look at the underlying technology and Bitcoin itself as something to invest in for a longer term perspective, you know. So you kind of have um, something called the Gantt hype cycle. And 2017 was kind of like that early adopter phase where it was just basically showing the, the promise of what could happen and the promise of the technology that's here. And now we're kind of entering the maturity phase where we're starting to see governments, financial institutions, the SEC, the, um, the DMCC, which is like the Middle Eastern um, Financial Securities Exchange and Commission. Uh-huh. They're all now starting to build policies around cryptocurrency and blockchain. So what we've had is we've had potentially anywhere from a trillion to two trillion dollars sitting on the sideline of this market, waiting until the policies and the regulation catches up for them to be able to invest their clients' capital. Because obviously it's, it's a very volatile market, it's very risky, um, and there's certain laws that will prohibit those types of institutions from investing hundreds of millions of pounds into this marketplace. So what we're kind of seeing now is the growth and the advent of the the regulatory infrastructure around this marketplace. Now, a lot of people in the early days were, were quite worried about this. They were scared because they thought, well, you know, I thought cryptocurrency was all about decentralization. I thought blockchain technology was about the freedom of our economy. We should control it. Why are we giving it back to regulators and central banks? But in actuality, it's very, very good because what you see in unregulated markets is these cowboys, fraudsters and scam artists. And I think there's, there's been over a billion pounds of hacks and scams so far in cryptocurrency. So it is still the wild west of finance in a sense. And what's going to happen is by bringing in these regulatory bodies and allowing them to sort of build a framework for how we should interact within these markets, it's going to cut out all of the negative actors. Well, the majority of the bad actors, there's always going to be a a certain amount of people in the market that are sort of not doing it for the greater good or for the benefit of the entire marketplace. That's unavoidable. But the majority of it, the 90% of it is going to get removed from the market, which enables the big banks, the big financial institutions to invest in this. Um, And when that happens, for instance, say, for instance, the the global market cap of gold, if 10% of those investments that are currently hedged in gold were to move into Bitcoin, which is kind of been spoken to, spoken about as like the digital gold, gold 2.0, um, Bitcoin's price would have to be valued at $57,000. So that's, that's 2x, over 2x from where it currently is, and that's 10% of one marketplace. What happens when every single financial infrastructure in the world inevitably moves to, to blockchain, you know? Like, I've seen interviews in, in the early 80s and 90s where they're asking people, what do you think the use of a computer is? Like, do you think everyone will have a computer? Do you think a personal computer is something that will exist? And they're sitting on the streets like, no, no, no. Computers are for mathematicians, engineers, and finance wizards. Like, there's no way that we'd have a computer indoors. And then we went from everyone having a personal computer to having our mobile devices everywhere, which... Uh, basically enabling us to, to run an entire business or have a supercomputer essentially in your pocket, right? So it's that mass adoption and that sort of 
transition that will happen that it looks in hindsight very very obvious but in the early days of it it's very difficult to see how that technology could potentially impact the society in the way that it does and i feel like that's where we are with blockchain where it's not understood well enough for the mass majority to understand that it's going to take over every single financial infrastructure that we have. But the ones in the know understand the, the gravity of the situation and they realize that once blockchain does reach mass adoption, it's, it's going to be an incredible time. This is probably going to be one of the largest wealth redistributions in the 21st century. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, it's probably one of the most important developments that's happened in financial technologies in the past 70 years. And the yeah, we're literally only just getting started. So all of these people say, oh, it's too late. You know, you've, you've missed the boat. Bitcoin's now 17,000. In 10 years' time, people are going to be absolutely shocked that you had the foresight to buy Bitcoin below 50,000, below 100,000. You know, and I really genuinely do believe that it's going to outperform. But there, there are other cryptocurrencies as well that I do think are just as important. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of why it's so important what's really been going on with it and and yeah what's what's to come perfect thank you thank you so you mentioned something there um, and you mentioned just the dynamic of the global infrastructure changing and something i wanted to pick your brains about which was the progression of cryptocurrency now being more globally accepted you you mentioned paypal um yeah as some may not be aware of um paypal i've just recently um well, talk us through PayPal. I'll let you do the talking. Yeah, sure. So PayPal's been been waiting for this moment and opportunity for a very long time. But as I said, it's, it's all been about do we have the regulatory capacity to allow our customers to do this? It's not that they were against it or they didn't want to. It's just that when you're that big, you have to take these certain things into consideration. So now that the regulatory environment is allowing them to do this, they actually bought every single minted Bitcoin that's come out over the past month, I think, since they've allowed crypto payments. So PayPal alone has invested over $300 million into Bitcoin over the past four or five weeks. And I believe it's because they know something, you know, they they know that they are not the only company that is going to basically follow this trend of adoption, right? This is just, they are the, the early starters, the first movers. And it makes sense for it to be PayPal because you think about it, PayPal was built by Elon Musk. I'm sure Elon Musk still has certain ties to the board, still communicates with them quite consistently. Um, and if you think about it, PayPal was kind of like the first ever digital money. Before PayPal, there was no way for you to transact uh, over the internet, right? So PayPal came from a necessity and a need within eBay for a payment system for people in separate countries, etc. And it kind of bridged the gap between standard finance and financial technology. Maybe one of the first ever financial technologies, really, that um, was there for the people to use in that way. Yeah. And Bitcoin is kind of just like an evolution of that, especially Ripple as well, which is uh, a cryptocurrency that is specifically built for transactions and it's built for bank to bank payment systems. That's something that is probably going to be one of the most important picks, I think, out of the next three, five years. Um, we've got such a large horizon and the potential profitability on XRP. I mean, we're, we're talking about a token that's currently 58p or 60 cents that has an all-time high of $3.20, you know, so we're, we're talking 500% profit 
already just for it to hit its all-time high. I mean, everyone's excited about the fact that Bitcoin's done this already, but to be honest, XRP still has a very, very long way to go in its in its progression and its future. Um, but yeah, PayPal and other companies are starting to line up now and they're starting to really, really support the cryptocurrency space. I think what they just needed to see was that the underlying technology was solid and it was something that they could transition to safely and securely. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Ripple. I mean, it seems like you know exactly what, what I'm going to be asking you. But yeah, Ripple XRP is another thing that I also wanted to pick your brains on just for the fact that, yes, we have seen, of course, a lot of progression with cryptocurrencies as a whole. But the global infrastructure that you mentioned earlier really did specify, I personally believe, around Ripple because of you know the surplus banks i think over 250 banks that are working with ripple um and the fact that they're looking to to exchange um chaps and batch transfers for ripple to be sent um within the interbanking system that alone is you know a, a magnificent change in our global you know banking infrastructure which i don't think is going to be taken lightly i don't think would happen um and it obviously means for us now that we've had to be a lot more patient in regards to seeing the, you know, in, in, in regards to reaping rewards from, from Ripple actually pushing up. But tell me, what's your personal opinion? Because I'll tell you my personal opinion after you tell me yours. But where do you yes. think Ripple going? Where, where, what, 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 on a scale of one to 10, okay, how much faith do you have in Ripple and how much logic can you put behind the faith? Absolutely. So, I'll, I'll be able to give you a little bit of like insider information here. So in, I believe, March or late February of this year, just before the lockdown happened, I actually had the opportunity to go to European Parliament. There was a, um, a forum for blockchain professionals and people working in the cryptocurrency space. Now, they had one of the uh, managing directors of the Central Bank of Europe, so someone that works directly under Mario Draghi. They had one of the co-founders of Ethereum chairing the board, uh, Manmeet Singh, who is one of our... Uh, one of my partner's friends as well. He's one of the chairman of Cardano, ADA, which is another cryptocurrency. And we also had a representative that uh, sits on the board for Ripple XRP. And Ripple Labs XRP is their, their cryptocurrency, obviously. And it was it was enlightening. It was fascinating to hear directly from the European Central Bank that they've been working on a cryptocurrency for Europe for the past four years. And for me, it was a bit of a mind shock because I was like, wait a minute. I've just read the news and seen all of the reports about cryptocurrency and the entire bias from the institutions, financial or government or otherwise, has been, this is not a good thing. This yeah. isn't safe and we don't like it. And I was like, so on the one hand, the press releases are saying that you're, you're completely anti-cryptocurrency and anti-blockchain. But on the other, you're telling me you've had research groups working on the technology for you for the past four years. So that was a real eye-opener for me. And I realized, wow, okay, there's a lot more to this situation than I initially thought. Um, and then we heard that Ripple has been actually actively helping the European Central Bank develop these technologies and they're essentially going to be partnering with the European Central Bank to, to provide services in that sense and there's another three other central banks around the world that Ripple will be partnering with so when I heard this it, it just basically my eyes lit up and I was like wow you know 
it's not even about the fundamentals. It's not about the technical analysis. I've heard it directly from the people that are running these institutions and organizations that they are planning to collaborate and work with each other in the future. And then I started to look into Ripple as a company and what they're trying to do. Um, they bought MoneyGram. Like, they just completely bought it out. I think they're wow. the majority shareholder in MoneyGram now. Uh, they bought a bank. They are one of the only companies uh, in the crypto space to have as many regulations as they do. They're one of the only cryptocurrencies to securely operate as a company, not just a, a decentralized platform, but a, a registered company in America as well. And obviously, Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple, is American himself. And it just seems like this is the most um, most likely trajectory for Ripple is that they then become the technology that basically replaces what we have at the moment, which is, as you said, Bax, SEPA, SWIFT payments, all of these interpayment systems, right? To give you a little bit of technical information on them, they are essentially legacy systems that have existed since the early 80s. Now, could you imagine trying to run your business on a Windows 98 currently today? <laughs> it would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? It'd be horrible. It'd be so difficult. Even trying to stream a, a HD video on YouTube would probably take you an hour. So it's like they're still using these systems that are even older than Windows 98. And they're just doing it because why not? You know, you're that big, you're huge, you're a multi billion if not trillion dollar valued uh, entity at that stage does it really matter if it takes two days for your balance sheet to, to appear on the record but what's happening is ripple basically came along and said by the way central bank of europe did you know you're losing out on 175 million pounds a year by the speed of which it's taking you to create your transactions and you're actually charging your customers 50 million pounds a year that you don't need to be charging them because of the fact that your old legacy systems just don't work as efficiently as they could so then they sort of went into these central banks and went hey look i tell you what let's take over for a couple of hours use our system and see how much you can save and i think they managed to say i can't remember what bank it is but they managed to save from something like five and a half million dollars in transactional costs fees and taxes in one single transaction and after that that was the real catalyst for ripple and banks started to line up to work with them because what they're actually doing is it's in cryptocurrency it's all about utility what is the actual utility of the underlying coin does it do anything you know and that's why we look at the top four because the top four cryptocurrencies in the world they really genuinely do solve a need there's a lot of cryptocurrencies out there there's over 2,000 cryptocurrencies on coin market cap alone. And I'd say about 99% of them are just completely worthless garbage. And it's, it's very, very similar to the internet.com bubble. You know, like investing in Ask Jeeves in 1999 would look like a solid idea. Same with Yahoo. Investing in Yahoo at 1999 would be a brilliant idea. In 2020, probably not so much. I mean, Ask Jeeves doesn't even exist anymore. But who could have seen the fact that Google would come out of nowhere and take over as the search engine giant? So we're kind of in that place at the moment where there's these companies vying for market share and trying to show that they're the best at their utility and what they do. And at the moment, Ripple is just unchallenged. There is no one that is big enough. There is no one that has the technology that is fast enough or anyone that has the networks and the connections that Ripple has. So it's kind of, if you think of Bitcoin as the people's currency, Ripple is the financial institution's currency. And as we're well aware, the financial institutions hold a lot more power in the world currently generally than the, the general public and the people do. So that's why I'm so long on Ripple. And that's why I genuinely do think that it's going to be a very, very good choice as an investment over the next few years. Perfect. Um, based on, you know, all of the information you've given us, what I don't want to do is, you know, have you here asking, answering every question I've got, because we'll be here all night. 
But no problem. Um, with that being said, just to kind of conclude on the whole crypto space, then. So, what's your targets for for Ripple? And what's your targets for Bitcoin? Where do you see them going over the next, let's say, two quarters? Brilliant. So, Bitcoin, I think then we're probably going to see anywhere from thirty-five to forty thousand dollars in twenty twenty-one. XRP, I'm expecting us to hit a dollar in the next couple of months, and I'm pretty certain that we will most likely see an all-time high between twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-two. Uh, Ethereum, as well, is one that we didn't cover, but that in itself is is a whole podcast. I mean, Ethereum is absolutely phenomenal. Let's just call it Internet two point It's the new infrastructure that we'll all be using digitally and to build our applications on. Um, but for Bitcoin and XRP alone, yeah, I definitely think that next year we see anywhere from 35K to 45K up. And yeah, for, for XRP, we're definitely hitting the dollar in the next few months. Um, and just, just in regards to, the, for, you know, for listeners who are trying to gain more insight in cryptocurrency, maybe people have some questions to ask you or Maybe they'd like to be um, mentored by yourself. Where can they, where can they find you? What's your yeah, sure. So you can find me on social media, on Instagram as at jessiebtc. You can also find me on YouTube with the same um, moniker. So it'll be jessiebtc. If you type that in, you'll probably be able to find me pretty quickly. Um, and if you want to basically join WealthX Network, where we teach people everything to do with these uh, financial markets, and we go even more in depth, you know, there's this crazy little part of the crypto world at the moment called decentralized finance uh, i found a project the other day that was netting me 157,000 percent apy it was for about a four or five day period but it worked out i was making around about 14 dollars a minute for, for about four or five days so there is some incredible opportunities in this space and you can find out all of that information and everything you need to know to get set up in the crypto space at wealthxnetwork.com. Um, if you are working in sort of finance or if you have a background in technology, I also have a consultancy company called Bitchain Capital. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn or you can go to our website as well, bitchaincapital.co.uk to find out a little bit more about that. Perfect. Thank you very much, Jesse. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll get you on another episode and we'll go into more detail about Ethereum. Um, but aside from Ethereum, of course, and, and the information that you that you clearly have access to, um, it's definitely, and I think we will, if it's okay with yourself, just catch back up again before the new year, do another episode to see what's happened with the cryptos, because traditionally, we usually do see around the Christmas period, um, throughout December, we see, you know, cryptos take a boost and um, usually show us some type of excitement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We see a little bit of a sell-off in early December where people, for some reason, psychologically take profits just for, before Christmas, I guess, to pay for, uh, for, for whatever. But yeah, afterwards, man, like I think last year or the year before, Bitcoin went up 70% on the monthly just in December alone. So it's, it's, it could be a very, very exciting month, definitely. I'm more than happy to do that. So, um, you know, to conclude on, on everything you've said, we basically need to just be buying the, buying the hell out of a Ripple. And uh, where else would you tell us to buy? I mean, I know Bitcoin, for those who are trying to you know, have more capital gain, um, wouldn't, or capital growth, capital gain, wouldn't make too much sense. But Ripple, how, how much is Ripple? Ripple's 60 cents at the moment. So it's a real low cap coin. It's something that you can get invested in for, for not too much. And you could be seeing anywhere from sort of 5x to 10x over the next two to five years, without a doubt. 
Jeez, okay. ADA Cardano is another one. I mean, we're sitting at around about 15 cents at the moment for Cardano, and that's got an all-time high of uh, above a dollar. So that could be another 10x uh, potentially over the next two to five. Ethereum, again, I mean, it's a little bit of a higher cap. We're, we're sitting at like the 570, 580 range, but our all-time high is $1,400. Ethereum 2.0 has just come out, and there's so much exciting stuff in that space. But yeah, for me personally, my portfolio, to keep it safe, I'd say BTC, Ethereum, XRP, ADA Cardano, and then also if you want a little cheeky one, uh, Fetch as well, Fetch.ai. As you know, the founder of that company, and they're doing some incredible things using blockchain to basically allow driverless cars to communicate with each other. So yeah, there's there's wow. a lot of applications to this technology, man. It's not just finance, and they're doing some great things. Yeah, it's, it sounds um, quite mind blowing just in regards to how much possibilities and how much opportunities can be created just through the development off of blockchain and yeah we're happy to have you in our corner to give us an an insight to to what's going on to what may go on and you know what's happening around us because there's a lot of information that's flying over our heads and unfortunately with everyone living their day-to-day lives it's quite hard to keep up with the the real vital information and this today was vital so i'd like to thank you jesse for taking your time um coming on no it's no problem it's a pleasure um, and we look forward to having you another time. Absolutely, man. Yeah, you just let me know when. Perfect. So on that note, guys, um, if you guys have liked this episode, just be sure to leave us a review um, and a comment. And of course, we'll be sure to give you guys a shout out on the next one. Um, big shout outs to Makai for leaving us a five-star review on the previous episode. He said, this has been very insightful. And without you guys, I wouldn't be able to learn the financial markets in its entirety. Forex is something that I didn't know about six months ago, but now Forex is something I can't live without. Um, so yeah, big shouts to you, Makai. Keep going. Um, and remember, guys, every day is money day. Peace. Peace.